Maybe we are all here this morning. And uh, say from everything that's going on, we're going to uh, continue this morning. If you have a, your Bible there, or if you can pick up one in the pew in front of you, please turn it to Matthew 6. We're going to work on the first four verses of that this morning. Before we do, we need to go to him and pray and ask him to open our hearts and our minds to his word this morning. Lord, we, we do come before you this morning. Lord, having come before you in fellowship and communion this morning, just like you commanded us to do. And Lord, having come before you this morning, offering you the praises from our hearts with our voices and our spirits. And Lord, we come here this morning wanting to meet you. Lord, we want to meet you in the Holy Spirit as fill us, we ask you and pray. And Lord, as we open your word, oh Lord, fill our hearts and our minds with your word. Lord, I pray this morning that you would just change hearts and minds as we realize something new in your word that you've never taught us before. Lord, I pray this morning you teach us. Show us, Lord, how you would have us to live. How should we live, Lord? You show us. We look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount, and we finished chapter 5. Are you glad to know that? Because i got to tell you, it's an important chapter. In it, we learned how we are to behave in the Beatitudes. And then when we know how to behave, we're to take that behavior out into the world, and it changes the world around it because we're the light that exposes the darkness, and we're the salt of the earth. It makes them want to know what is it that's going on in there. And this chapter ended with the last few verses talking about how we are to look at God's law. We're to love God's law. We're to live under it and to love it. And we don't want to do that much, do we? But we found out that the world tries to change it. We try to change it and make it where we can accept it. Uh, Try to bend it and paint it. Try to make it look like the way we want it to look, which the Pharisees had done. Jesus told us about that. But then we, when we looked at it, we found that we do the same thing every day. We try to make it our way, don't we, instead of falling down before a heavenly God. And he said, here's how he ended the last part of chapter 5. He says, so you better be perfect even as your heavenly Father in heaven is perfect. That's who we're supposed to be, perfect. You know, I often have been brought up by in a household full of school teachers and in my whole family of school teachers that I raised up. And, and I mean, everybody's a school teacher. We were always looking for that perfect score, right? You know what? We could get a perfect score in school, man's way, but it really wasn't good enough, was it? For you and I to be come before God, he says the score has to be 100%. We have to be perfect, even as our Heavenly Father in Heaven is perfect. Well, he says, chapter 6, he says, I'm going to show you how to do that. Jesus says, I'll show you how to do that. Watch me and and listen to what I say to you. And I'm going to show you how to, you get that perfect righteousness. I think it's exciting to anticipate that, do you? You You want to know that? I mean, if you don't, I'll go home. I mean, I can leave. Do you want to know how to, how to walk and be perfect? Because Jesus shows us how to do that. 
we, we've been told what the characteristics are, what, the, what it's to be inside of us, and uh, how we are to behave, and, and we've been told out what God expects and what he demands, which is per- perfection, right? And now we're going to see Jesus show us. Tell us and show us. It's show and tell by Jesus himself. Isn't that great? In a perfect life, I want you to see this, and, and these, are, these are three things that, that, that I think we're going to see all the way through the rest of this Sermon on the Mount. Here's how we are to live, and look for this through the whole thing. First, we're to have complete awareness of his presence. We're going to talk about that this morning. And then we're to have an active submission to him. That doesn't mean you come on Sunday morning and say, oh, Lord, fall down before him. No, you were to have an active submission to him all the time. And then we're to, by doing all of that, complete awareness and a and a complete, complete submission, we wound up with a complete dependence on him, not on anything else. So many things we depend on in the world, amen? And that's wrong. It shouldn't be that way. Our Lord has given us a, a picture of this living relationship. Jesus himself shows us how. And, he, and he, he's a, how we're to live out this, this life, this through this journey that we call life, let's put it that way. You know, if I had to put a title on this sermon, I would I would follow Francis Schaeffer or someone like that and say, "How therefore shall we live?" And this is how we live from here on. And just a little sneak preview. I want you to know about chapter six. Um, the first eighteen verses deal with our spiritual and our religious walk with God, our spiritual walk with Him. That is our righteousness before Him, our worship. Our praise, our our um, our prayer life, and basically our direct relationship with Him spiritually, we're going to deal with that. He does that already. We don't have to do that. We deal with it through His Word, right? And then, and then we're also told for now we need to know how to live in the world here and now. Someday we're going to be with Him spiritually, right? But He says, "Here's how you live here and now." And we are in the here and now. Everybody here in the here and now? Okay. So we'll make sure I'm in the right place. Then the last 16 verses, they deal with things of this world. Food, drink, shelter, clothing, you know, all those things that we worry about. And what Jesus calls the cares of this world. So let's read it. 6-1. You got it there in front of you? We're going to just do the first four verses this morning. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do... You will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. That first verse gives us this basic principle. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. I want us to focus on that word righteousness. That's going to be all the way through Matthew, for that matter, all the way through New Testament, that righteousness that we we get from God. But the word for righteousness here is used to show us what I believe is three basic principles about how we are to live. The first thing is to see that we have this delicate nature 
of the Christian life. You have to know it's delicate. You know what? We live in, in a kind of a balance, don't we? Between what the Bible says and what we want to do. There's a, there's a balance going on here. And here's the thing. You know, I've known a lot of successful businessmen. And what always what impressed me about business people is that they can make decisions on the spot. And they did it with poise, with confidence. And they were able to execute with poise. As Christians, that's what we are to do. We are to take this mm, fight that goes on, and then we are to execute it, keep it in balance with poise. That makes sense? Well, I'll tell you how, how that works. Christian life can really seem contradictory at times, can it? You know, back up in Matthew five sixteen, Jesus just just told us. He tells us in in uh, in the same way, let your light shine before men. You know this one. Let your light shine before men, that you may see good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And now in Matthew six one, we read this: Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You know, doesn't that sound like it's 180 degrees out of polarity? That's kind of fight. Doesn't that sound contradictory? It does to a lot of people. We're, all, we're always trying to figure that out. Well, how, do you, how do you keep that in balance? How does that work? Well, if you do what Jesus says, uh, if you go down to Matthew uh, 2, uh, Matthew 6, 17, we're not gonna, we'll get there next week, but he, said, he says, if you anoint your head and wash your face, then that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret, then how is the world going to see this light shining inside of us? How's that going to work? Well, look again. Look what it says. It says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As a Christian, we're to live out our lives, and the only thing that matters is giving glory to God. Is that how you live? Everything you do, everything you think, everything you do, everything you say sounds like a song from the 60s, doesn't it? You know, and every way you walk, everything, you, you, you give glory to God in that. So, you know, we need to be asking that. Whatever I do, will God be glorified with what I'm doing? We need to ask, ask that question with every action. We're never to do anything to attract attention to ourselves. We're never to desire the attention of people, and we're never to be self-conscious about what we're doing. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. I hope you have that memorized. That's something that needs to be a life verse for everybody in this room. Whatever we do, we do for the glory of God. Paul wrote that. And that's where the balance and the poise comes in. Folks seem to fall between the two extremes. You know, they're either Hollywood showmen, you know, with, with how they're going to live out their, their church or build their church or do something glorious for God. They're, they're Hollywood showmen, or they, find, or they go and they hide in the shadows. Don't want anybody to know because they're, they're living in fear somehow. I don't know. We're, we're not to do either one of those. We have to find the balance. We have to be in between all of that. When you pray, th- here's, the, here's how I think that works out. You know, I, many of you, we've, we've, we've eaten together out in public. And when we do that, we always pray, don't we? You know what? When we pray in public, if we're praying, really praising the Lord for he provides everything, doesn't he? Even that meal over at Indy's, you know? The Lord really provided that, didn't he? 
um, we give him the glory. And we pray to him. When other people see that real spirit in us, they're going to want it. And that's how we shine his glory. It's not about us praying in public. It's not about anybody seeing us or doubting us or looking at us or in anything, is it? It's all about him. He is truly the one who praises us in public and in private, right? So I have no problems doing that. I hope you don't either. You know, people will see they act as, as drawing attention to yourself, but the spirit in your life at work is what they, many will see and what we want them to see. Here's another thing I want you to see. And the, 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 this, the ultimate choice is always between pleasing self and pleasing God. When you think about it, every decision you make comes down to that. Are you pleasing yourself or are you pleasing God? Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. Now, that sounds like we're trying to do this so that people don't, we're doing it for people, right? Uh, we don't want to be pleased, seen pleasing people. But you know what? When it really comes down to it, it's about pleasing ourselves. How many people do you know that do something and, well, let's take it in our own church family. You know, how many times have you seen, have you thought, we all have, you know, we do something and you think, golly, nobody noticed, you know? So when you think, golly, I didn't get the recognition I deserved, you know, golly, why did you have that thought? Did you deserve any recognition for doing the work of God? No, not at all. So you know what? Did that change your opinion about the people who didn't give you the recognition? It has in some people's lives. And it shouldn't at all. I'm stepping on toes here, aren't I? Okay, I smell the tar and feathers heating up. <laughs> Sorry, folks. This is not my word. It's God's word. You know, we need to come to a point where we, we do this for the glory of God. And it doesn't make any difference what anybody thinks about what we did or what we're doing or not doing. What is the Lord doing? Now, I'm going to stop right here, and I want to put a plug in. We're going to begin all of this together in January, a study. And we, we put it together. We're already training for it. The people who join in in this, we're, we want to know what God is doing all around us. He's a, he is at work, folks. He shows us all the time. And we've got too many people that don't see it. But that's okay. We're not going to know until we go to the Lord. And he's doing a great work here. There's a lot of lives that are being changed. You know, can I tell that story about that police woman that stopped me? Yeah, why don't I? One of the, lady, one of the police ladies, and some of you already heard this, stopped me. And when we're out in the, and, uh, she, she comes through here three times on her, on her road. And she says, I just want to tell you what a difference you guys are making on your Sunday night services. How it's changing their work and their job. Is that good or not? And who's doing that work? Yeah, you bet he is. It's not us, it's him. He's at work here, folks. There's lives being changed. You know, the folks that come on Sunday night, a lot of them are taking Bibles. We give away a whole case of Bibles, I guess, hadn't we? Uh, yeah, and, and you know what? They read it during the week. They actually come and they talk during the week. Whoa, that's amazing. That's God at work, isn't it? That's his word at work in their hearts. That's one thing that the Lord is doing here in this community. He's doing other things, too. And what we want to know is, how can we join you, Lord? We've been missing it. We want to come to you, and we want you to show us. I can tell you, the elders are all going to be teaching, and we're preparing now. 
I think we got a ton of books in there yesterday. Is that what that is in there? You know, okay, we got we everybody here who comes and jo- joins that. It's going to take us about 16 weeks to do it. And we're going to going to do it the old-fashioned way. And we were talking about that this morning too. We're all going to have workbooks. We're going to have things we have to study every day, read God's Word, and all that. Is that okay? Are you in with me? I just want to put that plug in because you know what? We're not doing this for ourselves. We're not doing this to build a big church that the rest of the world can look at and say, wow, look at all those numbers. We're doing this with Jesus. We're joining him, his church. Amen? Amen. He's doing a great work here, folks. You know, and it's not about pleasing us. It's about pleasing God. We're praying about that. And, uh, you know what, I'm, I don't do this, when he, even when I preach up here, uh, I know you know this, I don't do this to make you happy or to give you a good feeling or to give you some emotional charge because you know what, I'm not, I'm not really thinking, whoa, if I can make them feel better, then that'll make me feel better. It's not the way it works at all. We're here to deliver God's word, pure and simple. And I've told several people here in the neighborhood just this week, we preach him and him crucified. That's it. Jesus Christ, he's the only one that can save you. We can't. Back to what we're saying here. It's between pleasing ourselves and pleasing God. That's the second thing I want you to see here. You know, we need to be ask ourselves, what is the motive for what I'm doing? What I'm doing? Am I doing this for what? For what reason? To make me feel better? Mm-mm. If you receive accolades, it makes you feel great. But if you have your brothers and sisters are pleased with you, then you know what? You've been rewarded, and that's all you get. That's what this scripture says. So I would ask this question. If you feel satisfied about something that you've done for the Lord, look back over your whole life and figure out what have you done for the Lord, and you were pleased with it, and how much of it? Was he pleased with? Now, if you offer the talent for the pleasure of God, then that's glory for him, right? And your joy is from him and for him, and I'll let you figure out the part about if you don't do anything. You can figure that out on your own. Please don't misunderstand. We're here here to help each other and admonish one another and comfort one another and... and, and, uh, That is to be done, but it's to be done for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do for the glory of God. And that brings us to the most important principle, I think, of all, and it's shown here. The most important thing in this life is, you want to know what it is? Huh? Okay, I'll come back next week to keep you in suspense. You want to know what the most important thing is in life? to realize our relationship with God. He's building a relationship with you and him right now. Yours is personal with him. I don't have the same one that you do, and you don't have the same one that I do. You don't have the same one with the person sitting next to you. It's your relationship with God. You need to know that. You need to know that, may I use the word, perfectly. And that's what he wants. And that's what he's doing in your life. That may sound pretty simple. Just 
Realize my relationship with God. Wow, how easy could it be? You know what? Jesus showed us what that's really like and the cost of that, what that's really like in his whole life. You know, Jesus never, ever wanted anything for himself. You can't show that. Did you ever see the picture of his house? You know, that big, oh, you didn't? It's because he didn't have one. You know, he didn't have a fast camel or a fast car or, or, or you know, a low mileage camel or whatever, you know. That, that, none of that stuff. Jesus had none of that stuff. All he did was bring glory to God. That's it. And he spoke them. He, he, he said even the words that he spoke were not his, but they were from God. Boy, to be like that. You know, let me show you another thing I had in business with. I had a lawyer one time, a really good lawyer, that was in-house lawyer at the TV stations when we had him. And he was, just, he was not a believer. So, but he was always amazed. I would use words that he said, wow, I really like the way you do that. So he would put those were words like righteousness. You know, things that had, all of them came out of the Bible. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be great if all we did, every word that came out of our mouth, was God's and not ours. Oh, wow. Amazing. Need to be reading that Bible. Need to be memorizing Scripture, don't we? Because then it just kind of comes out naturally. Okay, it's enough of that plug. Jesus' whole life was glorifying the Father, and he never, ever thought of himself, ever. Um, he didn't hire the best agency to promote him. He didn't even have a marketing plan, huh, that somebody else brought. He didn't even handle the money, did he? Hmm. He didn't buy a big house. Uh, Matthew quotes what Isaiah had prophesied about Jesus. He says, he will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. Sounds like Jesus is trying to hide, isn't he? Mark, if you go read Mark, he says all of that, and then he says, it looked like Jesus is hiding, but he couldn't. He said, Yet he could not be hidden. Why is that? He had none of the things that we use to promote ourselves, none of these things we use to build up the church, none of that. All he had was God, and he did it for God and God only. Uh, there was this complete absence of show or creating or anything like that in Jesus' life. He lived entirely and always and only for God. Jesus warned the Pharisees, he says, How can you believe when you receive glory from the one another from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? They were big on themselves, weren't they? Yeah, buddy. He was telling them, That's your problem. You got one. You got a big one. You're only concerned about people. If if if, if only you would seek to honor God instead, and all these problems would just go away. There's another thing we need to see here, and that is that we are always in the presence of God. We forget that one, don't we? You know, we think, okay, I'm, we're, we're good here today. You know, ooh, boy, I can't wait to get outside. You know, we got there for a smoke or something, and I can kind of get away from God. It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. We are always in his sight. You know, one of my, my favorite stories in scriptures back in Genesis sixteen thirteen, And um, you remember um, she, she went out and she hid. And um, it's Hagar. 
Hagar went out and hid. Do you remember that in 1630? She ran away because she'd been rejected by, by uh, Abraham. And, and so she, she took her kid and went out and hid in the desert. Oh, what am I going to do? And then she gets met by this messenger from God. And you know what she says when she realizes it's God visiting her? She says, you are the God who sees me. You see me all the time. She realized God never goes away. He always sees her. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. Why? If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven, who's always watching, if I can add that. He's the one that gives us the reward. Folks, God is watching. He's watching everything you do all the time. You can't get away from it. Um, he sees everything. He sees your heart. He knows everything about you. Jesus told the Pharisees, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Now, I've got to tell you something, folks. When you realize that God is watching and everything you do is for him and in front of him, it's a life changer. It'll change the way you do everything. We need to come to that realization, and we need to know that. You know, wouldn't it be great if you wake up and you know, we were singing a while ago about revival. Thank you so much. You know what would be how, how we can have a revival in here? And I'm not here to tell you that, really. I can't. The only one that's ever going to bring a revival here is God himself. We can ask for it, and we can pray for it, and we can do all the things right to, to bring it in, but only he can bring it in, and only he can do it on his time. So I know that. But wouldn't it be great if we got up in the morning, the minute you wake up, Instead of, you know, cussing at the alarm clock or whatever, you, I, I did that. You know, the minute you wake up, you say, oh, my gosh, all day long, everything I do, everything I say is going to be before God. He's watching. And I'm going to be doing it for him. Even if he admonishes me, it's okay. He loves me and he cares for me. But I'm doing it with him, for him, before him. Wouldn't it be great if you said that in the morning and then every waking moment? You know, I don't know. You know, you can say that because you know he sees me. He sees me in everything that I do. You know what I think it'd do? I think it'd revolutionize our lives. I know it would revolutionize our lives here. I think it would revolutionize our whole country if we could do it. It'd change everything that's going on in this land. Talk about one more thing. Rewards. Now, a lot of people have problems with this reward thing. It's okay. It's okay if your rewards are from God. God brings it up a lot. Verses 1 and, and 4 here in this passage. It's, it's right that we seek God's reward, not the reward of men. But we need to seek his reward. If you do the wrong thing, then you will have no reward, it says right here from your Father in heaven. But if you do it his way, your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And it's a good thing because it's from God. Amen? Amen. All through the New Testament, it's a right to desire to see God. That means to come before him. Because why? Why would we do that? Because we know that he's going to offer us something incredible joy, reward, all those things, being in his presence without sin will bring us. 
It said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You remember that one? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, 8. Jesus said that it's right to desire that, to want that. It, it's, a, it's a holy ambition. So, you know, if you want to be an ambitious guy, you should be wholly ambitious. Hebrews 12, 2. You remember that one? We just said that not too long ago. He describes the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, Jesus wasn't thinking about anything other than the reward he's going to get from God, right? For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame that went with it. And the writer of Hebrews said back, uh, he said, Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt, which were a lot back then, because he was looking ahead to his reward. It's okay to go for God's reward, not man's. Not pleasing somebody here or pleasing. It's God we need to be pleasing, and we can go for that. It's okay. Matter of fact, you go back to Hebrew 11, you look at that whole hall of faith. Those people lived for God and didn't get to see their reward, which they thought they were working for, but they died without it? No, they get it, right? It says they, they were looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. They're looking forward to what God is going to give them. We're going to reward them, not that. They had their eye on the ultimate goal, and their reward was in heaven seeing God. Concern about rewards is encouraged all through the New Testament. The scripture talks about the judgment of our rewards, and that's a, all our works will be tested. You know that? Everything that we've done or haven't done, it will be tested. I want to read this to you. You need to hear this and listen to this, not to make you afraid, but to, so that you can discern why we do what we do now in the here and now. Uh, I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 3 and 11. It says, For no one can lay any foundation other than that which has been laid, which is in Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. Thank you for that song, Patrick. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If, he is, if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. With nothing to show for it, no reward, but still escaping to being with the Lord forever. Someday we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's a fact. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We're saved by our faith in Jesus Christ. We're saved to good works too, aren't we? And we know the day is coming when, when everybody should be looking forward to the rewards that are laid out before us because of what we do for him and for his glory. There's nothing wrong with it as long as the desire is a holy one to be found with God. Amen? Okay. There's one other thing we need to understand about these rewards for Christians. Um, there is no reward from God for those who seek it from man. Now, that's pretty sobering. 
Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So if you receive your reward from men, you got that trophy, you know, for being, I don't know, whatever you did. You know, made in Sunday school ever, every Sunday for 50 years or whatever. Um, whatever ministry achievement, you know, that you may have made, you got that, that trophy you can put up there on the shelf. I'm here to tell you, that's all you get. Done with that one. Let me put it really bluntly, if that's not blunt enough. If I'm concerned about what people think of my preaching while I'm in the pulpit... That's all I'll get out of it. I'll get nothing from God. Those are not my words. They're God's. If you're seeking a reward from men, you probably get it. If you're a hard worker, you can achieve anything. But that's all you'll get. Now, Go back and think through all the good you've done in your religious life in the light of that. How much is left to come from God? The wrong way is to announce it. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. (laughs) Don't tell everybody about it. Get our own TV show. Let's put it up on the Internet. How about that? Now, we can always find ways to justify blowing our horns in church work, can't we? Blow those trumpets? Yeah, buddy. We do that a lot. We, we decided to, uh, to be challenged to increase our attendance, our number of baptisms, our, our giving programs, and so we can show ourselves better than the church next door, right? But Jesus says that when we help others, we're not to blow our horn. He says just the opposite. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. You're not even supposed to let yourself know. I'm, I'm good with that. The older I get, the easier that gets. How do you do that, really? How do you do that, give it and not let yourself know? Well, here's how. You're so focused on God. You're so focused on him and what he wants, his desires, his plan, what he's doing that that's all you see. And let me tell you what, if that's all you see, that's all you'll do and think. We become all in God and lost to self when that happens. Yourself gets lost in God. Oh, wow. I like that one, don't you? So what happens when we become selfless and do things for the glory of God? Let me tell you what, it's glorious, of course. But here's the thing you need to know. Jesus says you don't have to keep track of it because he's keeping track of it. Whoa. Now, let me tell you what. You know this. My first degree was in accounting. So when it comes to accounting, I think I need to keep track of it, you know. But you don't. You don't have to do that. God sees everything you do. He keeps account. And let me tell you what. His records are perfect. You know, sometimes we're trying to say, okay, God, I think you missed this one. You can't do that. God knows everything. So you don't even have to think about what you've done for the Lord. He's keeping all the records, and his records are perfect. So you know what? <laughs> to you, those, of you, those of you who know accounting, um, you can't audit him. 
You know, that one's not going to work. Remember Matthew 25? And here I'm, I'm, we're, we're going to end with this one. He says, when the Son of Man comes to his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. And I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? You know, or thirsty and give you something to drink. And when do we see you, a stranger, invite you in and, and are needing clothes and clothe you? And, and when do we see you sick and, or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Of course you did it. He has it written in his records. He knows what you've done and what you're doing. And I think he even knows what you're going to do. You did it all in secret, but I will reward you openly, Christ says, when we're in heaven. You won't be rewarded in this world, but as soon as you're completely alive in me, I will reward you openly on that great day, he calls it, capital D day, when the secrets of all men will be disclosed to all of them going to show up when the great book will be open and when the final pronouncement will be made before the whole world every detail oh boy that's scary isn't it <laughs> praise the lord for jesus christ every detail that you have done to the glory of god will be given the credit you deserve to his glory and then and then jesus says i will say to you well done my good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your master Looking forward to that day, are you? Lord, we thank you. Thank you, oh Lord, for your word that is so powerful and so precious. And Lord, that hurts sometimes so much. Lord, all of us here this morning, I think all of us would be able to say that we don't live up to seeing you in all that we do. Lord, we don't live up to seeking you and your purpose and your will, not ours. Lord, I pray that you will just invade every heart that's here this morning. You will convict us, Lord. Show us, Lord, what we need to do to see you more clearly. Lord, we need to read your Bible more. And Lord, I pray you will give us the desire, and you will fill us, Holy Spirit, with your wisdom and your knowledge through your word. Lord, it's you we want to see. Oh, Lord, you are the God who sees us all the time. Everywhere we are, we can't hide from you. Lord, you're the God we want to, pre we want to please in all that we do. Lord, may we have a keener awareness of you in our lives. Lord, may we have a keener desire 
to please you in all that we do. In all of that, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. You know, these words this morning, they're hard sometimes, aren't they? I hope they're convicting. They're convicting to me. And I hope they're convicting to you. We're here to please him and him only. And you know what? A lot of times that's not exactly, doesn't look like we think it ought to look, does it? Sometimes he gets pleased with things that we do or, or the way that we live for him. And we don't even know it. It's okay. I'm glad he's my accountant. <laughs> I'm glad he's keeping up and he's keeping the records. Now, this is the time when we're going to come before him and we're going to lay our hearts out before him. And uh, this life song, that's good. And uh, I ask you to sing this. But as we sing this song, you know, I ask you to pray in, in your heart that he would convict you more and more every day. And you would come before him every day seeking him and seeking his reward. His reward, not man's reward. Seeking his reward for that great day. We would bring it all and lay it out before him. Lay our crowns at his feet. Amen. Let's sing that, man. The Lord leads you. Please feel free to, to share with us here. I'd love to do that more often. If someone here this morning that this doesn't make any sense to you, um, everything didn't really connect, I would be glad to talk to you. There's a lot of people here who'd be glad to talk to you. If you've never made that transaction where you came to Jesus Christ and you said, Lord, I am a sinner, and I don't know how to get rid of all of this, but I know you do. And all these sins that I've committed, He will take away. He promises you that He will. And He takes them away and you receive His Holy Spirit that comes in and changes you and makes you into a new person. He starts right then making you into a new person. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Even though sometimes you might think He has. But if you receive Him and when you receive Him, He comes in and He changes you. If you've never done that, please, I would ask you, come. Let's talk. Let's pray together. If he's moving in your heart right now for you to make that prayer, then let's do that too. Let's sing this, this life song praise. Empty hands held high.